Hey, this is Sir, one of your hosts from 2020 Podcast and a Business Minute. I wanted to take a moment to send my thanks to each and every listener who has listened, shared, and subscribed to our podcast via SoundCloud, iTunes, or YouTube. Uh, we really appreciate you. Now, after feedback from one of our more interesting interviews, we decided that we'll be shifting the view of our Business Minute segment from a business conversation to more of an in-depth informational segment. What I mean is that we will still perform the interviews as normal, but we will also give our guests the chance to speak about pertinent topics in our community. Now, this week we are focusing on mental health, a topic that I feel that is often mentioned, but seldom discussed. So please tune in this week. We'd be glad to share uh, our thoughts and the information with you that we feel that would not only help us as a community, but educate us as well. Thank you a ton for listening. We appreciate you on behalf of 2020. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Business Minute. I'm your host, sir. And today I got a special guest, my brother, uh, Roger Mel White. How are you, brother? I'm doing well. How are you, man? I can't complain. I can't complain. So, RJ, if, if I may ask, what is it that you do for a living, brother? I do a lot of different things. Um, my primary job, I am a therapist at Wellstone Incorporated, which was formerly the Mental Health Center of Madison County. I also work at a group home during the weekends for Volunteers of America, and then I'm also an officer in the United States Army Reserve. And uh, if you'll mind me asking, how long have you been active in this field? So I have been active um, with the military since 2010 when I graduated undergrad and I received my commission as an officer. And then for, as far as mental health, I've been active since 2013 when I completed my master's degree in clinical psychology. All right. So, brother, uh, that leads me to one of my favorite questions. Uh, What inspired you to start in this field? What inspired me to start in this field was when I was younger, I was, I I, I guess for lack of a better word, I received trauma from a family member. Mm -hmm. I received received trauma from a family member, and, you know, family and friends are people that, you know, you should be able to trust and be able to believe that they're not going to do anything to you, you know, not, you know, take advantage of you, not, you know, do, you know, bring harm to you. And that wasn't the case. And for a long time, it affected me. It affected, you know, how I dealt with people. It affected how, you know, I didn't trust people. I was cold. Um, I was callous. You know, I just didn't really deal with people like that. I didn't trust people. And as I got, you know, as I started going through high school, you know, I was trying to figure out, you know, what was wrong with me, you know, because in my mind, I felt like something was wrong with me, like I was broken. And, you know, I got interested in psychology when I started high school, and that's what made me um, selected as my major when I went into college, was to better understand myself, mm-hmm. as well as to better understand other people. All right. Uh, I wanted to ask, were there any uh, obstacles that you encountered along the way? Well, um, one of the many obstacles that I had to, that I encountered along the way was racism. Mm. You know, people, you know, just being, you know, 100% honest, a lot of times what happens is people expect you to, you know, because of the color of your skin, they expect you to talk a certain way. They expect you to act a certain way. You know, 
meet people face to face, you know, and they get a chance to see that there's more to people of color than what they've seen on TV, um, mm-hmm. than what they've seen in movies or what they've heard in songs. It, you know, you can see it in their face. You know, you can see it in their face. You know, I've had clients, you know, where you know we have to reach out to their families, and you could clearly tell like they're uncomfortable with you talking to them. You know, the verbiage they use, you people, um, things of that nature. I mean, that was one of the major, one of the major things that I had to overcome. Um, a lot of times, it kind of shifted when they realized, like, okay, you know, he's not what I, what I'm used to, or what I, or, or what I think that people of color are. Um, and then also, the military thing doesn't hurt, doesn't hurt either. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that they recognize that, wow, you're in the military. Wow, you're an officer. Wow, you do these things. Okay, you know, it, it changes people's perspective of you as a person of color. But that was the major thing that I've had to deal with as far as an obstacle was the racism. You know, people just, you know, they, they have these unfounded biases about you based off of your color or based off of what they've, you know, secondhand information as far as what they've gained about people of color. All right. All right. Uh, hey, <laughs> I'm. I'm speechless. I, I completely agree with you. Uh, the fact that, you know, you being a, a black male in the field, you know, uh, as my mother used to say, being a, a black male that's educated is a commodity. And so you turning things on the head and, you know, causing, uh, I guess, a shift in their thinking process just by, you know, showing your presence is it speaks volumes. So I, I commend you on that, brother. So, uh, and with you having so many hats, I have to ask: How do you manage to balance work and your personal life? Well, um, I, you know, my main thing is work is work and personal is personal. When I when I when I clock into work, my personal is left outside, mm-hmm. and when I when I clock out of work, my work is left at work. I never mix the two. I never. Um, you know, bring the, the other one into the, you know, into the other, you know, because it, it makes things more complicated, you know, it can be emotional, you know, because when you go home, you know, that should be your time to, you know, decompress, you know, recoup, you mm-hmm. know, heal from the, from whatever happened during the day, and if you bring it home with you, you're just going to wear yourself out emotionally and mentally, spiritually, and physically, and so I try to keep them separated so that I don't wear myself out. Yes, sir. All right. So, with uh, your years of experience uh, with uh, the military and uh, through education up to this point, is there any experience that you did find to be the most memorable overall? I'll say that, you know, it's normally the same experience because in psychology, it's a helping profession. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you know, unless you're some, you know, high, high-end doctor, you know, normally what ends up happening is you have... You know, you're not going to get rich in it. You're just not. That's just the realism of it. You're not going to get rich in helping professions. You know, unless you're a doctor, you know, a psychiatrist to famous people or a therapist to famous people, you're just not going to get rich in it. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, you have to do it because you, because, you know, God put that on your spirit to do it. Mm. You know, and so because you're going to have people to talk to you crazy and, and you can't take it personally. I've had people spit on me before. You know, I've had people throw things at me before. I've had clients attack me before, you know, but can't take that personally. 
you know, and at the end of the day, these, you know, person is doing what they're doing, not because, you know, it's personal, but because they're not well. And so you, it takes a special person to be able to, despite all of that, be able to help people get past where they currently are at that time. And so being able to do that is, you know, some of the most memorable things. Cause you're, I've had clients like years later, they remember things that we talked about when we had sessions, either an individual session, a group session, or a family session. And they'll walk up to me in the store, I've been at restaurants, at the mall, at the movies, just different places. And they'll tell you, like, you know, I still remember you telling me that, like, that stuck with me. Mm. Or you'll have clients that will tell you, you saved my life. You know, because I was going this direction, and because you sat down and you really cared, you really cared enough about me to sit down and, and be real with me. And you really cared enough about me to be invested in what was going on with me, that it kept me from, you know, going so far left that I couldn't come back. Well, I imagine that probably makes your day at that point, uh, hearing that. And uh, huh? especially if this is a field, like you said, it isn't about the money. It's about what God puts on your heart and wanting to help. So I, I can imagine seeing the fruit of your your words, you know, come to fruition and, and receiving praise. That's That's wonderful. All right. Now, on the downside of things, you know, uh, of course, this was a long time coming uh, to get to this point. So I want to ask at any point, RJ, did you feel that you wouldn't be successful? And if so, who or what changed your mind? Um, yeah, I did feel like, you know, because, I mean, it becomes a situation, it becomes a point where, you know, you really look at the number of people that you're seeing on a regular basis. And I mean, a lot of our clients sometimes, especially if you're working at the community mental health level, you're working at the, at the community level, you know. Now, if you have your own private practice or you're working at a clinic, it's different. But when you're working at the community level, you know, a lot of your clients, and depending on what you're doing at the community level, a lot of your clients you will be seeing on a consistent basis, like to the point to where you know, you don't even have to ask them a question. You can fill out a whole assessment without having to ask them anything. And so for me, it was getting to the point, you know, I'm a, I'm a person I like, you know, ever since I was a kid, I've always been into superheroes and comics and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And when you, you know, read comics and you read, you know, watch anime or you watch cartoons, the superhero or the, 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 the protagonist is able to, you know, save the day and then we move on to the, we move on to the next day. Not we're still stuck in the same place. And so at times you have some clients where they just, they choose to be in the same spot. And so, you know, it was getting to the point to me, for me where it was like, am I really making a difference? Am I really helping people as much as I can, you know, because I keep seeing them. So clearly it's, I'm doing something wrong if, you know, I'm not able to help them get to the next level. If I'm not able to help them transition from this point in their life, you know, and you know, I had, you know, I, you know, I constantly prayed about it. And, you know, I also had people that were, you know, that I worked with, you know, and that I had close relationships with that kind of kept me focused and kept me grounded. You know, you know, people like, you know, my, my, my sorority sister, Jamia, as well as my other sorority sister, Cherie, you know, we, we talk all the time about different, about different things and about different issues that we've had, different experiences that we had. And then, you know, we're able to kind of, I guess, help keep each other grounded and, and build each other up. That's wonderful to have a support system, especially. Uh, no matter you know what background you're in or where you come from, that's always wonderful, brother. Um, 
because we all need it. Uh, we all have those highs and lows. And a lot of times the, the worst situation you can be in is when you're isolated and left to your thoughts and, you know, you don't have anyone to kind of bounce things off of, you know. And so it, it is definitely, like you say, important uh, to have a support system in some way or fashion. So that is a blessing. So, RJ, my next question is a little bit long term. So uh, I, I want to ask you, uh, where would you like to see yourself and in your field, of course, in the next one year, in three years, and in ten years? Um, well, to be honest with you, I mean, to me, I don't, like I was saying earlier, I don't do what I do, you know, for the money. You know, like, I'm, like when it comes to the money situation, because I do so much, you know, it's never, you know, like I'm straight when it comes to the money thing. Like a lot of people, they work a job, and they chase the dollar. And as long as you're chasing the dollar, you're never truly going to be satisfied because enough is never going to be enough. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I've, I've put, instead of putting the dollar as the most important thing, I've placed helping as many people as I can as the most important thing. So for me, you know, just being able to, you know, that's where I see myself in the next, you know, in the next block of time as far as just being able to help as many people as I can with the amount of time that I have, you know, because, you know, you want to leave, you know, my grandfather told me, you know, when I was a child, you want to leave the world a better place than what you found it. Mm. And so for me, being able to inspire as many people that look like me, you know, that come from the same place that I come from, you know, that, hey, you can do great things if you put your mind to it, you work hard, and that just because you are successful doesn't, you know, you don't have to necessarily forget about the people that came up with you, and you can still be able to be a positive influence and 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 an inspiration to other people, you know, that's what I shoot for, you know, that's what my overall, you know, thing that I'm shooting for as far as in my career, being able to inspire as many people, be able to empower as many people, and be able to help as many people as I possibly can. Mm. All right, all right, all right, great answer. So that leads me to uh, my last question of the interview portion of this recording. Uh, And I always dedicate this question to anyone else who's listening, who's thinking about either pursuing uh, the field that you're in or they're maybe thinking about uh, making a lifestyle change or, or just any sort of shift in their life where it requires that leap of faith into the unknown. Uh, what words of encouragement would you have for that person who's interested in participating in your field? Um, I think that the most encouraging thing I can tell someone is, one, pray about it. You know, whatever decisions that you make, whatever choices that you, that you, that you choose to do, or any actions that you take, you know, first seek God about that. You know, because God is never going to lead you astray. You know, that's first and foremost to pray about it. Um, second, you know, when you when you are when you choose to do this and you you know decided that hey this is what I'm gonna do, there's gonna be hard times just like there's gonna be good times. Never let the bad times outweigh the out, outweigh the, the good times. You know, because you're gonna have those days where it's rough. You're gonna have those days where things just don't seem to be going the way that you want them to go. Clients aren't responding to the to the treatments as you want them to, and it's easy to get discouraged and feel like you're failing or feel like you're not being as productive or, you know, as 
I guess, contributing to their overall, you know, progress and treatment, but you have to stick with it, you know, and, and you know, because the clients will recognize when you give up on them. The clients hmm. will recognize when you, you care, because in order to continuously stick with something, even though it may not be going the way that you want it to, you know, it takes, you know, a certain level of, of investment. It takes a certain level of caring, you know, because for me personally, I believe in economy of energy. I'm not going to speak on something that I, that I don't care about. I'm not going to do something I don't care about. And so for me to take the time out of my day to speak to you about something when I don't have to or go the extra mile when I don't have to, that resonates with people. They may not say anything, but they, but they are taking mental note of that. And so, you know, like I said before, clients that I've dealt with years ago, five, six, seven years ago, almost 10 years ago when I was in graduate school, they recognized, like, you cared about me when I was locked up in the regional hospital. We had conversations, and we were able, and you helped me get past certain things because you sat down and you cared enough to talk to, talk to me as a person, not as a person diagnosed with a mental illness. And clients, it, they, they respond well to that. Hmm. That, wow. Um, I'm, I'm honestly speechless because... Uh, you, you, you really resonated with me when you said the, uh, uh, about energy, uh, the economy of energy. Uh, and I guess you can't fake, uh, being honest. You, you, it, it will show in your effort, you know? Um, so I, I, I really believe in that. And like we said earlier in our previous conversation before the recording, uh, time investment means a lot. And if we're taking out the time to invest it in you, uh, there's a certain respect underlying in it. And uh, I, I completely, 100% agree with you, brother. 100%. And uh, RJ, uh, before we transition to the topic that we're going to discuss, I wanted to ask if there's uh, anyone out there who wanted to get in touch with you, uh, maybe ask you a few questions or just wanted to bounce some ideas, ideas off of you. Uh, is there any way that they could get in contact with you? Um, I, yes. So you can either, um, find me on Facebook at Roger Mel White. Um, my first name is spelled R-A apostrophe J-A-H-M-E-L. My last name White, like the color, W-H-I-T-E. I'm also on Instagram at Too Smart for That. So it's T-O-O Smart, S-M-A-R-T, the number four. And that T H A T, and then or you can email me um, at my first name Rajamel R A J A H M E L dot white W H I T E at wellstone dot com. All right, and uh, I'll make sure to include that email in the link uh, below in the description there, just for you listeners out there. And uh, transitioning to what our topics are, uh, R J. Uh, this week I'm going to be harping on mental health. And, uh, of course, I, I am well aware that it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, but uh, I chose this topic uh, in response to a previous interview I had with uh, one of my friends who's an, an officer in Florida. And um, we were talking about domestic situations, and he mentioned that majority of them spawn from some sort of trauma, some sort of uh, mental illness that was not really addressed like it should be. And... I want to get to the core of that 
because I feel like in our community, mental health is mentioned, but it isn't advocated like it should be, like it doesn't get down in detail. Uh, and I wanted to ask you, especially with uh, mentioning uh, family trauma, like you did earlier, do you feel like there is an underlying reason why it isn't talked about like it should be? Well, I mean, it goes back to um, culture. So, you know, culture is, plays a big part in what, why we do what we do, mm-hmm. why we dress the way that we dress, why we eat the foods that we eat, why we talk the way that we talk. I mean, it, 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 it manages and directs a lot of what we do as, as people. So we, as African-American culture, we are very much religious-based. Mm-hmm. And so because we are very much religious-based, I've had this conversation with a lot of my elderly family members. And so, you know, a lot of things are, you know, biblically-based and religious-based, where things are considered a spirit. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying that it's not, but... A lot of things, you know, they, you know, they believe that if you pray, if you pray hard enough, eventually, it'll, eventually, it will go away. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot of times, what happens because of tradition, culture, you know, it factors into, you know, if certain things are going to be reported. It factors into, you know, are we actually going to seek the treatment? Mm-hmm. Are we actually going to participate in the treatment if it is available? You know, because. I've seen that myself with certain, you know, people, you know, clients that we've had that have been court-ordered to our care. They've been from, you know, say, you know, other cultures. Mm -hmm. And so they've been from other cultures, and that particular culture does not believe in psychiatric medication. So because they don't believe in psychiatric medication because of the cultural, uh, cultural standpoint, you cannot violate their culture and force medication on that person or that person's family member. Wow. And so it becomes a, a tough issue of trying to treat them and stabilize them, but at the same time trying to respect their cultural norms. Because you don't, you want to be helpful, but at the same time you don't want to do harm by violating someone's culture. And that is one of, the, I feel like one of the major reasons why, you know, people don't necessarily report things. Um, mm-hmm. Things aren't treated; they go untreated, or they they go, you know, without being addressed because of cultural situations. You know. It's just, that's just how, that's just how it works. So let me ask you, how do you manage to walk that line where you're not, um, you know, uh, offending their culture, but still managing to address the situation? Like, uh, how do you manage to do that? Well, I mean, first and foremost, um, you have to understand, you have to be empathetic and you have to be understanding, first and foremost. It's very easy to from the standpoint of, you know, think something is abnormal because it's not something you would do. Mm. You know, because society dictates what's abnormal, what's considered, what's considered, you know, normal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, back in <clears throat> biblical times, Adam and Eve were naked until they ate from the, the, the until they ate the forbidden fruit. True. You know, they, they were walking around with no clothes on. If you go outside right now with no clothes on, you know, you probably, they probably don't call the police. <laughs> You're probably going to get catch some charges. That's you know, true. because that's considered abnormal. That's considered, you know, not, you know, okay in today's society. That's true. You know, 
And so things, you know, you know, in psychology they call it a paradigm shift. And so basically what a paradigm shift is is where as time changes, thought, thought processes, beliefs, and things of that nature change, you know, change with time. So people used to think the earth, the earth was flat. And then once, you know, navigators and travelers and explorers and merchants started sailing around the world, they realized that it wasn't flat. It was mm-hmm. actually, you know, you know, spherical in shape. And so that is a paradigm shift. So you, you, you want to be caring and understanding of their culture and not be offensive, you know, first and foremost, you know, and you want to try to understand their culture, understand where they're coming from when they're saying what they're saying, understand where they're coming from when they're doing what they're doing. Don't, you know, and as a, as a, a healthcare provider anyway, it's supposed to be non-judgmental. You know, and, and, and that sometimes can be hard in and of itself because especially when it's something negative like substance abuse mm-hmm. or, you know, something of that nature, it's easy to say, well, dang, you know, they have that issue because, you know, they can't stop doing drugs. You know, that's judgmental. You know, but at the end of the day, a lot of mitigating factors can domino effect into somebody using drugs. Genetics, stuff that they don't have control over, um, trauma, all of those things can factor into a person making the decisions that they make. And so it's important to understand where they're coming from first and foremost. And then once you understand where they're coming from, you're able to kind of navigate and help them get to a better point, you know, because there might be some middle ground that you guys might be able to work on. There might be some medications they're willing to take that don't violate their religion. Mm. And so by taking the time to first care enough to understand them, you, you'll be able to mitigate some, you know, some middle ground, or you might be able to find something that will help them that can get the same, the same benefit as what you're trying to propose to them instead of just forcing it on them. Okay. Okay, compromise. Yeah, I, I, I like that. So I also wanted to uh, touch on something that you hit on a second ago uh, about, especially in you know African American families, because I'm pretty sure we've all experienced, like you said, the uh, pray it away method. Um, uh-huh. And there's also the situation of what happens in this family stays in this family. Uh-huh. And I've seen that work in uh, a more destructive fashion than it should have um and i have as well yes sir and and what happens is uh those feelings fester and then it turns into resentment and then now it leaves a lasting impression throughout your life and now it can cause a rift between you and the rest of your family uh how do you combat that uh you know I understand respecting one's uh, religious traditions, but how do you give someone the strength to, I guess, go against the family, you know, because we all tend to have that family hierarchy system, you know, especially in black families. Uh, Mm -hmm. Are there any tips you could give there? I mean, you know, I'm going to say this, you know, it is very, it's very difficult to do the right thing when everyone else is against you. You know, if being a good person was easy or doing the right thing was easy, everybody would do it. There would be no crime, there'd be no murder, there'd be no rape, there would be none of the negative things that we see in society every day. You know, so a lot of times what has to happen is, you know, like I was saying before, when you make major decisions, always pray about it first. Pray about it first, seek God's guidance, and you know, when you know, when you have made up in your mind what what it is that you're going to do you have to be all in 
You can't be 50-50. You can't be half in, half out. You got to be all in, you know, because it's going to be hard. You know, people aren't going to agree with your decision, but you, you as the person that is making the decision, you have to be, you have to feel in your heart of hearts that this was the right decision to make. And it's important that one, that you don't do what you do for other people. You do what you do for yourself. Mm. You should not, you should not be, you know, because in today's society, we, we tend to get caught up on what everyone else is going to think. Well, what is this person going to say? What is it? How's this person going to feel? At the end of the day, if they truly, if, if, if they truly matter, they're not going to mind. And if they, and if they mind, then they don't matter. You know, my grandfather told me when I was a kid that if, you know, if it's not lifting you up or making your or making you better, then it's not doing anything but holding you back. And mm. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I, I would never tell anybody to turn their back on their family because your family is all you got. If you don't have anybody else, you have the people that you share blood with. And but at the end of the day, if your family truly cared about you and your family truly had your best interest at heart, you know, they would support you in the decisions that you make. You know, the positive decisions, not the negative ones, the positive ones. Mm-hmm. You know, especially ones that are going to make you a better person. You know, because like like I was saying earlier, economy of energy. I'm not going to do anything that is not going to make me a better person. That's not going to add value to my life. That's not going to increase my life in a positive way. Because at the end of the day, if I'm just doing something for the sake of doing it, I'm just, and it's not going to increase my life or, or make me a better person. It's going to do the exact opposite. It's going to make me a, a, a worse person or, or it's going to have me doing things that I have no business doing. Mm. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. Uh, again, brother, you, you, you blow my mind, RJ. You blow my mind, man. Uh, that's some profound, profound wisdom there. Um, wow. I guess I'm I'm taking them I'm taking them back because I can't help but see myself in the situation that you're talking about, and uh, you're definitely speaking to me, uh, and I'm pretty sure someone else out there is hearing that and feeling the same way, and and brother I I honestly appreciate you uh, for allowing me to share this uh, with the world because like I said, often it's talked about, but methods aren't discussed, you know. So is, is there anything that um, you feel like, a, I guess, a, a healthy exercise or uh, besides, like you mentioned, uh, an economy of energy? Uh, is there any kind of mantras that you have or anything that you personally go by that you could share with anyone else? Okay, um, so for me, on my, on, my, on my bathroom mirror, I have a quote that, was, that, was, that I wrote down on the mirror. And so it's I'm one, I'm a I'm a history nerd, so I like history. <laughs> you and me both. And so, be, so because I like history, um, there's a show that I used to watch on the History Channel called Vikings. Mm. And so it basically explains, you know, like the the Viking Golden Age, like how they went from just being coastal raiders to sailing across oceans and seas and attacking and pillaging and different and how they you know propelled their society. And so the main character. Um, he had a saying that he that he that he used to say, you know, before battle. And so, you know, I wrote that saying down on the mirror, you know, and basically, like when I wake up in the morning, you know, and I'm getting dressed, I read that saying out loud, you know, because it, it helps to to focus me and it helps to 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 keep get me ready mentally and emotionally for you know what I have to deal with during the day. And for my soldiers, 
you know, we do the same thing. Like when we have something that we have, you know, that we have to do that's, that we know is going to not be, you know, a party or not be fun. That's going to suck. You know, we, <laughs> we say it together. Exactly. We say it together because it, it, it brings you, you know, it, it just brings it, it helps to, you know, center your mind and just get you, you know, focus on what you have to do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then I feel that because I have some uh, the same thing in in my bathroom. I, I wonder what it is about the bathroom. I guess it's the the place where you start your morning. Um, but me being an anime nerd, I have a, a quote uh, from Goku <laughs> on my mirror that I that I, I read. Uh, so I, I definitely feel that, brother. And uh, I mean, the, the bathroom is a very private place, and so you know you can kind of be alone with your thoughts in the bathroom. You know, rather than be taking a shower, actually using the bathroom, taking a bath, whatever you do in the bathroom, you know, it's it's a private place where you can be alone with your thoughts and think without being distracted and having 50 million things go on while you're, you know, because we're all, you know, throughout the day, we're all distracted by different things. True. We're all dealing with different things, and there's 50 million things that are pulling our attention left and right, up, down, diagonals, cabin corner, you know, 360. <laughs> so, you know, just that time in the bathroom, there's only you in the bathroom. You know, and I, I, I have that thing about people talking to me while I'm in the bathroom or while they're in the bathroom. Like, people get mad where it's just like, I'm trying to talk to you. Go away. <laughs> like, go away. I don't want to talk to you while I'm in the bathroom. I don't want to talk to you while, while you're in the bathroom. Like, it's just, one of those, it's just one of those things. I'm just not that type of person. Like, the time, my time in the bathroom is my private time to do whatever I'm going to do to be able to rechannel my thoughts and to, be, and to recenter myself. Yeah, and I think that time uh, chimes in with what you said earlier about leaving work separate from your private time, you know, at home. Um, your time in your bathroom, that's your extra personal time. Like you said, uh, it's its just you, uh-huh. you know, so I, I definitely respect that. Shout out to you for to bringing that back up. RJ, it's been a pleasure, bro. Uh, it's always good to talk to my, my fellow brethren. Uh, in case you didn't know, RJ and I are both members of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. And brother, again, thank you again for reaching out. I really appreciate the message you gave here today. And bruh, you if you don't know already, I'm pretty sure you know it. You're a blessing, brother. Appreciate it, man. All right.